All right, everyone, welcome Hi. in to a Thanksgiving edition of Top of the Key. Hope you got your turkey ready. I am Stefan. I'm Justin Engelbart. And we are going to uh, be giving you a little bit of insight before your Thanksgiving dinners and before some of the NFL games. We wanted to... Lions, as always. Make sure that, yeah, the Cowboys and then uh, there's going to be some other good games on as well on Thursday. But we wanted to start this week in the NBA. But let's, first of all, get back to Top of the Key. This is Top of the Key, obviously. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash top of the key. That's right. We're also on iTunes, which is a good one. Yeah, check all out our, our iTunes page. has all of our archive shows, archived podcasts. If you want to see how wrong we were about some of our predictions earlier. Or how time. right. Yeah, we're all right. We are also on River West Radio every Friday from 10 to 11 p.m. Central Time. You can listen in on riverwestradio.com slash live or have your uh, smart speaker play River West Radio or if you're in the Milwaukee area, play 104.1 FM during that time period. 10 to 11. Last week, we had that big podcast that we recorded and totally lost the file. And we got a lost episode. And yeah, which we've had actually one before too. Oh, I don't even remember the other one. That was one of the radio ones, remember, that oh, we just I do re- scrapped. I yeah. screwed everything up. Something. Yeah, I don't even remember what happened. Turned the power off on accident. Remember? Oh, yeah, that was what happened. <laughs> the whole power got shut down at the radio station. No big deal. Oh, uh, and I had our friend Nick on to fill in, do a little NBA action. So Justin and I are going to do some more NBA today. And uh, let's get into it, I guess, a little bit. The pups. Yeah, the first thing that I wanted to get into, first of all, uh, we're going to go over, let's go over a couple injuries. Denzel Valentine from the Chicago Bulls. I know this probably isn't the sexiest topic to start off with. There's but not that much sexy <laughs> injuries this week. But uh, he's <laughs> going to miss He's gonna miss the rest of the season. He hadn't played at all this year. He's always had a history of injuries, too. Like, coming into the league, he was a big red flag kind of guy. Yeah, and he was already, what, 22 when he came in after playing all those years at Michigan State. The Bulls kind of reached on him a little bit in the first place. It didn't seem like it was even a good pick at the time. Yeah, and, I mean, not that they're trying to win a whole lot of games right now anyway. They're sort of in tank mode, so I guess that's sort of good news for them <laughs> that he's not maybe going to come back. Not they're that missing he, a lot of guys over there. Not that he makes a huge difference moving the needle one way or another, but uh, he was a guy that, you know, fit the role. He was kind of a 3 and D guy there in Chicago. Uh, yeah, from last year, he shot 39, almost 39% from three. Uh, he's a under 40% field goal shooter for his career, though, which is an issue. That's a pretty good benchmark. If you can't shoot 40 in the league overall, you probably don't you're going to belong in the league. That's why Carmelo is on his way out. I've been talking about some of these other guards that shoot low percentages eventually that is going to catch up with you tim frazier would be one if he would have signed anywhere another one might be trey young (laughs) who despite some of his counting numbers and he has been i think better than both of us thought wouldn't you say that so far yeah Yeah. atlanta's been as bad as we thought though too so i kind of take it with a grain of salt because he's playing on a team that's just completely devoid of like any talent He's averaging seven, almost 17 points, over eight assists a game. You're right. But, that's pretty good. That's better than... But here's the here's the caveats. Four turnovers a game, and he's shooting 39% from the field and 24% from three. Those are scary stats. It's kind of the hardest position to play it to transition to, though, for a lot of guys, the point guard. That in the center. 
Yeah. You gotta learn the offense. Yeah. You gotta learn every guy in the league. And the defense with the with being a center. Yeah, and I think Trey Young's just gonna always get beat on defense. We kind of he's a little tiny. Had that, yeah. Well, I guess he's six two apparently, but he looks tiny. So to me. he says. Yeah, I feel like he's still gonna be a liability on that end. Speaking of mercurial point guards, Markel Fultz. Yeah, you know how I feel about him. We've had a couple of discussions the last week or two about his free throw issues and then how he was going to handle Jimmy Butler's entrance into Philadelphia. And now he is away from the team as he seeks a second opinion on his shoulder, it sounds like. And it sounded like the Sixers were sort of unaware that it wasn't even an injury issue at the time. I guess his lawyers told him to do it is what I was reading. It would make sense. <laughs> I mean, do you somewhat feel bad for this kid at this point? I mean, he just seems to not be able to get on the floor for, we don't know if it's obviously, there's got to be some kind of mental aspect to this as well. But There has to be with the weird free throw stuff like that. No injury is causing you to shoot weird like crazy that. Crazy free throws. One of the issues that w- was, was surprising to me or like how this kind of all came about was we never really heard what his injury was, how it happened, because he was fine in college, and he had no injury red flags during the draft process. No one was talking about a shoulder injury during the draft process. And so then all of a sudden, he has this shoulder injury that puts him out. I mean, he didn't play much at all last year because he was trying to refigure his shot and all this stuff, and now supposedly it's flaring up again or there's another issue, and... We don't know how it got hurt, if it was ever really hurt. I mean, we, we don't really know anything about it's this. A thing. And it honestly sounds like the Sixers don't really know a ton about what's happening either. And they've put all this time and effort into it. And, like, they see this guy in practice every day, presumably. I don't understand how you cannot know if he's not 100% or not or what is up with this kid, at, at least to some extent. Maybe they just want to keep it like private. Making, but making some excuses for him, I feel like. To some like extent, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I know a lot of people are saying that they sort of feel bad, you know, for him and stuff. And I, while I do agree his, obviously his struggles as a 20-year-old kid are on full view for everyone in the public, uh, not only on you get some high pressure on TV, but too. social media, etc. Yeah, but let's just say this: the guy, is, his rookie deal, he makes eight million dollars this year, over eight million dollars this year. He made seven million dollars last year. Even if he has his two options declined after this year, he'll have made over fifteen million dollars playing two years in the NBA, even if he washed out of the league after that, he'd still walk away with $15 million plus whatever endorsement, you know, money and other shoe money, et cetera, whatever else he's got. As long as he's managing his money well. Next year he's due to make almost $9,800,000. And then the year after, the fourth year of his deal is almost $12.3 million. So the Sixers are going to have to make some decisions on whether or not they want to pay him. I I still think they'll accept his option going into next year, but we've seen some of these picks have their fourth-year options declined recently, like a guy like Marquise Chris, who hasn't panned out. Obviously, Anthony Bennett, that was a number one pick that just went horribly wrong, and it looks like Markel Fultz could be on the Anthony Bennett plan right now. Yeah, there's a couple other ones this year that were kind of surprising. Yeah, Chris was a big one, for sure. I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago. We did, and... 
Markel Fultz this year is averaging only eight points a game. He's actually improved his shooting percentage, oddly enough. He's shooting 42% this year, again, only in 19 games. Shooting only 28% from three, taking less than one three a game. I mean, this is a number one overall pick who, so far in two years, has played in 33 games. That's Embiid-like. Yeah. Embiid only played like 40, I think it was 30-some games in the... Or he didn't even play the first two years, and then his third year, he only played like 40 games or so. So he is really taking that Sixers process to the next level, in my opinion. He's got enough talent around him to support him, too. It d- there's really no more excuses at some point. You just got to play. get out there and play and see what he can do. I think he should see a sports psychologist and figure out what is causing some of these issues because it's not the Sixers that caused any of these things, obviously. Maybe he's just not built to to handle the mentally NBA mentally or something. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see. We we've seen a number of guys wash out not only because of skills, but sometimes just because they can't handle the rigors of the NBA, and it manifests itself in different ways. Some people have legal issues. Some people have drug issues because of their ish, you know, other issues that they're dealing with, or maybe they're self medicating for mental health issues, etc. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of reasons guys can not pan out besides just they can't play. I mean, we saw like Royce White. We never know if he could really play. He looked like he could fit in the NBA. He was sort of like a almost like a mini LeBron back in the day. He could pass. He could was that point forward before that was really big. He could have been Yeah, he he was six eight. He would have been like the pre Draymond Green point forward and that comparison. Yeah, and he just never really got to play because he could never handle his mental uh he had a mental hurdle of try, uh, he had a fear of flying and so he couldn't couldn't get on a plane and so they had NBA. issues. Yeah, they had issues with traveling and then, you know, he claims the Rockets never supported him, but he never got the help he needed at the time and now obviously it's probably too late. I don't know if he's playing basketball anywhere. Maybe he's he in might China be over or in Italy or something right now. But either way, you know, his NBA career never really got started because of something, a mental health issue. So I think that that's something the Sixers want to take precaution with. I mean, I was surprised to hear that over the summer when the Sixers were rumored to be trading or trying to trade for a guy like Kawhi Leonard was that supposedly Markel Fultz was not on the table. They were not willing to trade him. And to me, that was surprising even back then. I know... You know, we saw a little bit of Markel Fultz at the end of the season. He didn't really play in the playoffs, but at the end of the regular season, he had like a triple, a couple triple doubles, and and looked like he had some flashes, and then nothing. Just nothing. Nothing so, in the playoffs either. Yeah, and so where do you go from here if you're the Sixers? They, like I said, really- I I thought they should have tried to include him if they could have gotten Kawhi Leonard giving up Fultz and been able to keep Saric or Covington, you would have been able to keep a shooter on the team mm-hmm. and add an MVP caliber player to this team. I think that's where they really missed out is they could have had Kawhi Leonard if they had simply given up they probably for Fultz Jimmy in the Butler. deal. Now, we don't know if Greg Popovich was sold on Markel Fultz and really wanted him, but we know the Sixers reportedly weren't even offering him in deals. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but you know Not what? They got to stick by their guy. You know, it would have came out in the news like that uh, he had been part offered as part of that trade, and that would have maybe even hurt his mental uh, makeup even more. It's yeah, but I think they should have just offered him up in the deal and traded I him. I agree with you, but it might yeah. have been bad PR, I guess. I think they're going to have to move on eventually some way, and they're not going to get anything for him now. Who's going to give you anything of value Nobody. for him now? So, yeah, that's the issue. I don't know. I don't really know. Well, I guess we'll see. It's been a strange saga. 
I could see someone taking a flyer on him still, just like because the talent is there. Right, the flyer. So you're talking it. about like a protected second round pick, or like maybe like an expiring contract you're giving up. You're not giving up Probably players of value, game. you know, uh, role players and starters for the guy or first round picks. Yeah, for sure. Let's move into another strange saga. Well, I guess it's not really that strange. I love J.R. Smith, but this is kind of a weird story. He obviously had that big contract. He was re-signed by the Cavs during the LeBron area era, and some of those guys like Tristan Thompson, him, Corver, are still left there while this team is clearly, George Hill, while this team is clearly trying to tank. Kevin Love is out possibly for the rest of the season. He reportedly wants to return, but if you're Cleveland, why have him come back so he can try and help you win games? Like They want to lose as many games as possible. They also owe the Hawks a top 10 protected pick. They want to get in that top 10. That's another thing. They're not even going to have a first-round pick after this year, so I don't know how they're going to get that much better. But J.R. Smith is reportedly stepping away from the team. He will work out on his own as he requested a trade, and the Cavs are looking to trade him. Obviously, nothing is imminent as he makes, I believe, $18 million this season. Uh, Is it 15? Okay. I think he makes 18 next year, and I think only like 3 million of it is guaranteed. That's right. So a team, uh, okay. So a team will be able to obviously move on from him next year pretty, pretty easily if they wanted to. I still think JR can play on the right team. I don't think he is in the right mindset right now to play in Cleveland. They're not winning, they're not competing. They got a ton of guards on that team, too. Yeah, and they're trying to develop Colin Sexton. They have George Hill, et cetera. So Jordan Clarkson. It just doesn't make sense for him. He's only played 11 games this year, averaging t- only 20 minutes a game, which is his lowest since his what third or fourth season in the league in Denver. So it's been a long time. He's shooting only 34% from the field and that Cleveland 30, team is 31% from three. So he, he's not playing well, obviously, averaging only six points a game. Uh, this would be his lowest point total or point average ever if this continues. I feel like eventually they'll find a trade partner, but I don't think anything's going to be imminent for a while. I could see him maybe ending up in L.A. or something. To me, if I'm the Cavs, I know you're going to try to maybe hold out to get something of value for him, but what about a buyout? Why not just offer J.R. Smith a buyout and let get him, rid of him walk away and just not have it not have it be an issue with the team? I think because the Cavs are pretty poorly run, and they're going to just try to see if they can get some something back to save a little bit of face on it. Man, this team is just in a horrible situation right now. It so can't. commit to love like that. Oh, God. Like well, the second that Love signed that contract, he had the worst, that was the worst deal in the league, probably. Him or Wall right now. <laughs> yeah. We, we talked about that, and then the Nance extension as well. Though both contracts are descending in value, so as I think they Tristan age, Thompson has a better. gigantic deal, too. He does. He had a $85 million deal previously. So there is a lot they're going to have to move. They're just going to have to sit on some money for a little bit, but I'm surprised they didn't do about it. It came out over the last week as well that Kobe Altman didn't want to trade Kyrie Irving either, that it was Dan Gilbert that overruled basically everyone in the Cavs organization. And LeBron basically acknowledged that that was the beginning of the end when Kyrie got traded. It would have been interesting to see if they would have given it another shot against the Warriors. I mean, I don't think it would have made a huge difference. As we can tell now from watching how bad the supporting cast is without LeBron, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, it's pretty even Even if Kevin Love is healthy, he's really more like a third option guy at best i agree with you i mean to me i'm not a big, i was never a big kevin love fan even when he played for minnesota i thought he was incredibly overrated when he was averaging like 
30 and 15 or something yep. crazy. Because he like was that. the best player on a really bad team that never made any, never made the playoffs. And, and he's been injury prone for the last several years. And as soon as uh, the Cavs gave him that deal, I mean, how many games did he play this season before, uh, before he was injured? Not very many. 10 or I don't even know if he got that far, to yeah, be honest. I think you're probably right. That to me is like I said, one of the issues is not only has he been incredibly overrated and he doesn't play any defense. Other than that one play in the finals injured. a couple years ago. He's been incredibly injury prone, even like I said during the, he played four games this year so far. Man, that's rough. Four games. You're gonna pay him almost thirty million dollars this year for for four games where he shot thirty two percent from the field, twenty nine percent from three. Again, what are you getting out of this He's guy? He's getting like seven and a half million dollars a a game for those four games. Yeah, basically, if you want to look at it that way, it sounds yeah. absurd. That's all you get. I mean, <laughs> he gets he gets money for rehabbing now. I guess basically that's his new job, supposedly. Let's move into someone who's actually playing well, who I'm actually a big fan of, and who I think has actually been very underrated for almost all of his career and was underrated in the draft as well. And one of the few Charlotte Hornet picks that was actually smart and made sense, Mr. Kemba Walker, who had a 60-point game the other day and then dropped 43 to follow. He is averaging almost 30 points a game. He now leads the league in scoring average right now, 29.6 points a game. He's shooting 46%, over 46% from the field, 39% from three, 86% from the line, averaging 6.1 assists, which is tied for his career high as well. Career high tied for rebounding as well. So the guy's playing about as well as he's ever played. Yeah, he's obviously. A, he better was an all-star last played. two years, and this year he might even be an all-star starter or something. We'll see. In the East, I think so. Last year we heard Kemba Walker's name floated on the trade block for the Hornets and I think that makes sense for them because they're looking to obviously tank out eventually maybe get out, out of a couple of those bad contracts too yep the Batum deal would be nice to move on from or Cody Zeller or Cody Zeller <laughs> or yeah I mean who do they really or have over these guys that's worth the money they gave them the issue right now with Kemba Walker and the reason that he was reportedly on the trade block was because he is in the last year of his deal. He makes only $12 million this year. He is going to be looking for a really solid payday this max. next offseason. He'll be looking for a max, and maybe a team will give it to him. I don't know. I don't think the Hornets want to give him that, though. No, not with all the money they got tied up in, <laughs> in Kid Gilchrist. They got Bismack on that giant deal still. They got Batum. Because if you're giving... Kemba Walker a max and he's the best player on your team you've limited yourself now as he's the best player and basically the only player that you can get as like an all-star and you're going nowhere with one all-star right you're just not there's there's no way that you get out get out from under Zeller or Batum without moving Kemba I think so um or moving draft picks or moving some draft picks but but again then you're without draft picks yeah, and you need those draft picks for a small market team. To the Hornets the Hornets have been one of the most poorly run, even though I love Michael Jordan, one of the most poorly run teams in the past, what, 10 or 15 years? I'd say easily, Definitely. maybe 20. I remember they were the Bobcats, and they just kept drafting uh, oh my God, they players so from the terrible. North Carolina area. They were so, so terrible. They had that one year they won, like, how many games? Like six or something? I think it was, like, nine, actually. But either way... They finally have a star player, and they're going to probably have to trade him because 
they're going to need stuff. And I don't know. It was, rumored, it was rumored the Lakers were possibly interested previously. Thing again with the Lakers is then once you give Kemba, if you give him that max deal, A, I think you could get him in free agency, so I trade for him now. And then B, giving him a max deal would severely limit, you know, I mean, as much as I love Kemba Walker, I've been a big fan of his game since his UConn days. I won money on him in that national title game. That makes you friends for life. Yeah, him and, and that AD uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist team for Kentucky won a lot of money on them. Uh, Kemba Walker, as much as I love him, he's just he's maybe the second or third best player on like a championship team. Maybe I, probably I a third. Second or third, yeah. I mean, if he's second, he has to have like LeBron or a Kawhi or an Anthony Davis, someone MVP caliber next to him. If he just has another All Star, he need they he needs he'll probably need to be the third best player. On a championship he really team. commands the ball a lot, so it's kind of hard to have a third star alongside him if they're three offensive players. Yeah, it depends on, I guess, kind of positions and like how they would play handling the ball. Because, I mean, technically, despite his size, he can play the two because he can play off ball, he can shoot off ball. The issue is his, his defensive liability. You're going to have to hide him on defense, at least to some extent. But, I, like I said, I really like Kemba Walker. I think he's going to get a big deal in the offseason. I think if you're the Lakers, too, if you trade for him and want to give him a max, you can give him that fifth year, but he'll be 29. You don't want to be paying him when he's 34 on that max deal. And if you sign him in free agency, you get him for the four years, but you can also pay him less as well. So it'll be a smarter move if the Lakers do want him to sign him in free agency than to for give sure. up anything and for him. You don't want to end up giving up like Kuzma or Ingram for him. No, either. Well, I don't think you'd have to give up either of them for him, but – You'd have to you'd have to give up something for him, and then also pay him more than you would ideally want to pay him. Let's you have to wait and see. Yeah, he's been on fire. I love what he's doing. We'll follow him and see eventually the rumors where he will get traded or whatever. But let's get into another dumpster fire, which is the Washington Wizards. We talked about them a little bit last week as one of the more surprising teams. There's been a bunch of articles written about them over the past couple of days, the last week or so, about the dysfunctionality. John Wall apparently told Scott Brooks, fuck you at practice, and that was a big thing. And Bradley Beal reportedly just said, I've been dealing with this for like seven years. It (laughs) was like no big deal. It's just like normal to him. The dysfunction, I mean, not only was it dysfunctional when they were winning and still making the playoffs, but now being 6-11 and and the injury and the uh, excuse me the losses mounting the frustrations are starting to boil over it seems they did win last night though against a good clippers team they came back they were losing at one point by like 20 in yeah. that game to the clippers are i was watching uh, the fantasy cast thing and i was like oh my god we're going to record tomorrow we're going to talk about another huge wizards blowout loss and like it's going to get really bad and then all of a sudden they came back and won that game 125 118 they scored 39 points in the fourth quarter, outscored the Clippers by what ten by twenty six in the second half and, and win the game. That was really That's impressive. A lot of yeah, it was really impressive the comeback uh, that they had. I don't think that that obviously solves everything because it's one win. But they, they've got to get rid of uh, Ernie Grunfeld at some point. He's got to be the worst GM and probably well, one I don't of the know worst he, GMs in all sports. I don't know if he's one of the worst, but he definitely needs to go after this. Um, He'll he'll be gone, I think, at the end of this season. I think Walt or Beal will be gone at th- by the end of the season. I also think Otto Porter 
is going to possibly be gone as well. It's being reported right now that New Orleans is interested in trading for Otto Porter. I don't think the Wizards are expecting a ton in return for Otto Porter. I think they want to just get off that max deal. They want to get some expirings maybe. But I don't think that makes them better either. I don't think the Otto Porter is necessarily the problem. I think obviously them paying him the max constricts them a little bit. But if they were able to unload him to New Orleans and take back just some some expiring contracts, it could also escape maybe the luxury tax line. That would maybe help them. I mean, they got a lot of money coming off the books next year. They got that Mahimi deal. That oh, my God, deal that was so bad. And in, in next year. I couldn't believe that deal when it happened. Fifteen million a year for that guy. More than that, he got sixteen. He got four for sixty-four. Yeah, that's well. That's <laughs> absurd. It's the kind of thing that bad uh, bad yeah, teams do. Badly run, poorly run teams. They're one of the three teams that I noted: the the Raptors, the Wizards, and the Blazers as those teams that had just the one and two guards that are the primary focus of the team: Lillard and uh, McCollum. Wall and Beal and Lowry and DeRozan and Lowry and DeRozan have since been split up and you're seeing the success Toronto is having. I think that eventually Portland will need to break up Lillard and McCollum, especially with the way their team is constructed now. They have no talent on the wing. They have some good bigs in the rotation, but in a day and age where bigs are less and less important, they have too many. And I feel like Lillard and McCollum are a little redundant too. Exactly. And then Wheel, uh, Wall and Beal. I keep almost saying wheel together. There, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but those guys need to eventually be broken up. Not only just for on-court play, but it seems like they don't love each other off the court either. There was reports previously for the last couple of years that they were, in fact, hated each other. They've now reportedly, you know, are better with it each other. Up, but either media. way, there was never a great relationship. I think. I think Beal's probably the. Be- oh, are you talking about Lillard and McCollum? No, I'm talking about Wall and Beal. Yeah, I think Beal's a better player at this point, and Wall is never going to accept that. Yeah, I think he's he has a warped version of himself as well. He thinks he's that star. He came in this year kind of out of shape. It looked like he still hasn't improved his shot, which is just I don't understand how he can be still that bad of a shooter. And he's got this a, many years. He, he should NBA understand that and all the talent that he has. Yeah, and when that athleticism goes away, I mean. He's really going to have just nothing. He's like Westbrook, but worse. Yeah, I could see that. You know, he's... Without control, he doesn't really get his teammates involved. Despite his high assist numbers. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, I know. He's a very selfish player, despite a guy who's averaging like eight or nine assists a game. It's kind of hard to to fathom that, to be honest. But it's just the way that he plays. We saw last year, if you remember, he sat out a bunch of games and the Wizards started winning a bunch of games, and the ball was moving, and Gortat was really happy, and that was when John Wall fired back, and they had an issue, and then obviously Gortat got traded in the offseason and brought in Dwight Howard. <laughs> so they've done and followed what John Wall wanted, and this is where it's led them. It's They're trying to accommodate him, but it's really just not going to help. There's I, nothing they can he's do right not, now. He's not the type of player, he's not a good enough type of player that you should be accommodating him on all these things. If he was LeBron, Kawhi, AD, Kevin Durant, the, those type of guy, Giannis, then you want to accommodate him in any way that you can to keep him there. John Wall is just not – he thinks he's that guy, similar to like Jimmy like Butler. Like Jimmy uh-huh. Butler thinks he's that good too. And they are both really good players. They're just not in that category. There are levels to this here. Tears. Yeah. Tears system. There are rules to this here game. And like he, they're just not – they're just not on that level. It's just that simple. 
I think in, in professional sports, obviously you need to be ir- irrationally confident. All these guys think they're the best player when they're on the court, and they guys. should. They think they they should all think they can win and take guys at all the time at all times because that's what it takes to to win and be competitive. But sometimes it can have a negative effect on the way you play. I.e., Carmelo, we've seen him continue to think he's something that he's not, and it hurts their team. Or Dwight Howard, I think, still thinks he's one of the. Dwight best. Howard is at least still productive. He's still at least averaging like 16 and 12 last year. Melo is not productive anymore. Dwight Howard is going to pl- outplay Carmelo Anthony. Even well, with all his that, back problems, he's going to outplay. It just seems like wherever Dwight goes to, though, it's a similar effect where that team just sucks. And you know what's funny is he missed most of the beginning of this season and stuff, so he hasn't even been involved in all this losing and all this, which is kind of funny because he goes there and all this is happening, but he's not the cause of it, and he's not at the root of any of this. Well, he could just be the bad omen. Like yeah, he might just have bad juju. Just ruin the chemistry in the locker room or something. Yeah. Let's I've always talk heard that he's a bad locker room presence. Let's talk about another locker room that is worrisome to me a little bit. Let's talk about the Golden State Warriors. KD and Draymond had that spat a week ago or so. I'm sure everyone's heard about it. Durant had called him some names, basically insulted him because he was supposedly not committed to the team. I know that everyone's saying like Durant signing these one and ones instead of committing, but I'll tell you a few reasons why he signed those one and ones. First of all, the first year he did it, he took a little less because they were um, fitting everyone in, and then he also took a little less the next year to make sure they could pay Livingston and Andre Iguodala. But the other thing is that Durant was trying to get the one and ones so he could play three years in Golden State, and after this year. He could sign a five because they'd have his bird rights after three years. He could sign a five-year supermax. Obviously, Curry has a, a supermax as well, uh, but he can sign a five-year max with the team instead of doing these one-on-ones. So that was kind of one of the reasons that he was doing that. It also allowed the Warriors with a little bit of cap flexibility because every year he would like technically come off the cap, even though he'd have a hold. And they could still have a little bit of money to play with with re-signing him with his non-bird rights. It's very technical with the CBA. But that's one of the reasons that Durant's been doing that. And so I think it's a little unfair for Draymond to be throwing that in his face considering what Durant that Durant gave up some money to allow some of these guys to stay. Now it's reported that Green is interested in a potential Supermax. If he wins his defensive player of the year, he'd be eligible I don't think he'll get a obviously will get a super max from you the Warriors. You think he'll get the defensive player of the year though? I don't think so. Not with the way he's playing right now. Yeah. Absolutely not. And he's been missing a couple games. I always had a feeling Kevin Durant might leave after three years anyway, just depending on how everything shakes out with the way you know the Warriors pan out. If they win three in a row, do they want to try to defend for four? I mean, it's never been done. You know, it's never really been done. So, yeah. do you want to go for the four peat and see if you can actually do it? I think teams are starting to catch up now, and all the wear and tear on the Warriors playing all those extra playoff games, etc. That's starting to to wear on them. But one of the reasons that they're struggling right now is not only is Steph Curry out, but Draymond Green is out with a toe injury. So they're missing you know, two of their four best players. Livingston doesn't really have anything left. Him and Iguodala, I thought, were oh, they gave him an extra year that they shouldn't have on their deals. I hear it. Iguodala is paid through next year, too, at $17 million. They like, could have easily picked struggle. up some vets that wanted to, you know. Well, they had both those guys' bird rights. Yeah. So they were able to retain them if they if they had let them go and try to bring in someone else with that they didn't have their bird rights on they'd only be able to offer out minimum deals since they'd be over the cap or 
offer out an exception deal, which is what, like what they did with Boogie Cousins. He came in for an exception. Been kind of disappointed by a lot of their other supporting cast guys, though. I agree. I agree. Quinn Cook has looked really good. However, Jordan Bell has sort of regressed. He had, a, he had a really nice rookie guard. season, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, he sort of regressed. Although Kevin Kevon Looney and Damian Jones have sort of stepped up. They've had a couple in his absence as well. Uh, Derebko, though, that was pr- that was kind of a. Other than that game winner he had early on in the season, I don't he's know. He's actually been that. really good. Yeah. For the team, he's been able to stretch the floor, and with Draymond Green out, he provides some of the stretch for, which is something that they lack, and one of the reasons that the Warriors' offense is sometimes struggling is. Green's shooting numbers have gone down consistently over the last couple years. He's shooting only like 24% from three right now. That's one of the reasons that's not working, and Draymond's only averaging 7, 7, and 7. And as much as as great as that his assist numbers are, his rebounding numbers are down, his point numbers are down, everything is down, and it's starting to show. I don't think he's like a, a, a super, obviously not a super max player, even though he's one of my favorite players. And I don't even think he's a max player on another team necessarily because without all the shooters and without the way w- with the way that the Warriors play, it'd be hard to see. It, it'd be hard to gauge his value to another team, especially depending on how he would fit with some other guys. I, I just don't know how that would work. But they're like I said, one of the reasons they're struggling is they're missing Curry and and Green. So I'm not going to read too much into it. Boogie Cousins hasn't played yet at all yet either. That's going to be a whole nother wrinkle to this team. So everyone thinking like they're done. Most people they still think they're going to win again, the world. The most people still think they're going to win the title this year. Yeah, and I think that they still will too. But right now they're struggling. But again, they're missing Curry, Green, and Boogie Cousins. So I'm not really worried about it yet. And I don't really know who the competition is. There's not really like one team in particular where they look like the. Warrior killers or something to me. Charles Barkley was on Golik and Wingo on ESPN this morning, and he said that right now the Nuggets are the second-best team in the West, in his opinion. I, I like the Nuggets, but they haven't been nearly as good lately as they were at the beginning of the season. Like They were rated number one in defense at the beginning of the year. Now they're down to like six or seven already. It's just the threes aren't really falling as well as they were. And uh, Jokic is playing a little bit more offensively. He's not really facilitating, and uh, he's taking a lot more shots lately. That'll change a little bit when Isaiah Thomas comes back as well. I'm excited to see that. And they're they're yeah. still waiting for what's-his-face to come back. Who's the guy? Uh, Barton. Will Barton. Yeah. Will Barton hasn't been playing yet either. So they got some help on the way. I have Isaiah Thomas in fantasy and hoping he plays really well in the second part of the season. He's expected to come back sometime in, in mid-December. So only a couple weeks, presumably three, four weeks, until we hopefully can start seeing Isaiah Thomas back on the floor. I'm interested to see him hopefully fully healthy after sort of a lost year last year with his hip injury and how he lost so much money. I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, I kind of do too. He seems like a really likable guy too. Yeah, he played his heart out for the Celtics and they kind of just cast him aside. And I understand it's a total business, uh, but his his hip injury was, was more serious. And obviously the Celtics fired a bunch of the people from their medical staff after that happened as well, sort of acknowledged that they, they kind of screwed that up. And uh, I don't know if he's ever going to pursue like legal action or something, but my guess is he's trying to find a way to recoup at least some of that money because he went from thinking he could be a max player to making $2 bucks this year. All he's got to do is have a really good season on those Nuggets again this year. And we'll see. Maybe well, I mean, he's going to be around 30-ish or over 30 by that point, too, and at 5'9". I mean, if his quickness starts to go a little bit as he ages and his hip injury, you know, he's got a little he bit gonna of be as, is he going to be as effective? Uh-huh. But we'll, we'll see. Is there any other uh, NBA stuff you want to get into before we move into the Let's NFL? See, what did we miss? Is there, uh, I don't think we really missed anything. 
No, well, we could have talked Celtics a little bit. What do you think about them so far? They're still kind of they're still struggling. I mean, the offensive the offensive output is an issue. Gordon Hayward was just moved to the bench. I think they're trying to switch some things up for Brad. I think they're trying to force Gordon Hayward too much right now. I think they should have brought him off the bench to start anyway and eased him back in that way instead of starting him. I thought that was stupid because he's on a minutes restriction. So I think Brad Stevens is starting starting to finally realize that because starting Gordon Hayward is affecting Tatum and Jalen Brown a ton. Jalen Brown is having a terrible season. He's shooting like 36% from the field right now. They need to get his confidence and his game up, get Jason Tatum's game up, and figure out kind of how they want to integrate Gordon Hayward. I think they're trying to do too much at one time. Hayward's shooting 28% from three this year. Exactly, and by starting him and forcing him in, I think they're putting themselves in a bad position instead of bringing him off the bench and letting him flow with the second unit. Because even in the second unit, he's going to be playing with Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, Aaron Baines. Like Those are all good players in the second unit that Gordon Hayward can still thrive with. And Smart and Terry Rozier can handle the basketball. So Gordon Hayward isn't needed as like the guy off the yeah the facilitator in the second unit necessarily either so there, there'd be a lot less pressure on him coming off the bench especially again like with his minutes restriction i think just trying to manage all of those rotations i think it's just just not been the right decision for boston instead of just easing gordon hayward in off the bench how much do you think that injury is still nagging on him you think it's still happening oh i mean it clearly has an effect i mean he's gonna have to play himself back into Back into shape, shape and back yeah. into everything. But I'm not jumping off the Celtics bandwagon. I picked them to be the number one team in the East. Maybe they won't be it record-wise from the regular season. But I certainly think that it's going to be potentially Boston and Toronto in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I certainly still think Boston could beat Milwaukee in a playoff series. I think they could beat the Philly in a playoff series. I think they could beat Indiana, obviously. I think they could beat still anyone in the East, even with their struggles right now. Don't you? Well, nah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, they do have. They definitely have the talent, and I can see them coming together on playoff time. Plus, um, love Brad Stevens. He's probably the best coach in the, the NBA. The other thing is they could easily swing a deal, too. Not only do they have a ton of picks, they got a lot of assets. but they got a lot of assets, so this team might not even look the same in January or February. That's true. And Danny Ainge has shown like time and time again that he just he wheels and deals. They have one of the best GMs in basketball. They best have coach. one of the best coaches in basketball, and they have potentially like five All Star starters. So or guys that could be All Stars. Yeah, a lot of potential left. I yeah. Think. So there's a lot to squeeze from all of that. They have some really good bench guys too. So there's a lot that they have. It's just going to be kind of putting it all together. We expect them to struggle. I expected them to struggle out of the gate. I mean, we saw like some of these other teams, like LeBron teams, when he moves like with the Lakers, whatever. They struggle out of the gate. They're trying all trying to learn how to play with each other, how to how to manage the minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how to manage the minutes, how to integrate big pieces of the offense. Because again, Hayward is not just a guy. I mean, he's an All Star player. You have to integrate him into the offense into what they were doing last year, and it changes a lot. They went from playing without Hayward all year with Kyrie in that offense to then switching the offense again entirely when Kyrie went out. And, I mean, Rozier was able to fill in admirably for him. But they changed the offense again with Rozier as the starter with Kyrie out in the playoffs. And now they're changing it again to integrate both these guys. So they're just making so many switches. And for Tatum and for Brown, 
I think that that's been a struggle so far, especially this season, is trying to to figure that out. Yeah. You know, I kind of expected Brown or Tatum to take a, take a step this year, but it's not really that unlikely in your sophomore year. You have a sophomore slump as a thing. Like, they could still turn it around. Maybe junior year is when they become uh, all-stars. Yeah. All right. We'll see. I still think the Celtics will be there eventually in the end, but let's move into some NFL action here. NFL action. The first... NFL game that we are going to go over is kind of an ugly one. The New York Giants beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 38-35. The Giants have now scored over 30 points twice in the last uh, two plus seasons. This you buying the into the hype? This season. Think they're going to run the table now? Absolutely not. <laughs> they barely beat a Tampa Bay team that threw four interceptions in the game. Eli was 17 of 18. For 231 yards, two touchdowns, only a one incomplete pass. That won't happen again, obviously. He's never going to have a better game. It was absurd. Barkley uh, probably had one of the best games he's going to have this season, too. Saquon has been really, really good all year. just can't expect year. that much more from him than, than he did this week. With this I game. mean, he only had two catches for 10 yards and a touchdown. He has done a lot in the receiving game previously. He can totally, totally do more in that aspect. But you're right, he ran the ball really well, his highest rushing total of the season. 42 yards. On how many carries did he have? It wasn't 27. They ran the ball a lot. He showed a lot of his promise why he is, was the number two overall pick. Well, the Giants, another thing was they were originally fighting the Oakland Raiders for potential number one pick status. The Giants won. The Raiders won this week as well. And now the Niners have the inside track on the number one pick. So things are kind of changing here a little bit. We'll still see what the end of the year looks like. I don't think you're necessarily going to need the number one pick to grab Justin Herbert. But if you want a quarterback, I guess that that would help. Tampa Bay here. Fitzmagic, three and seven now. Fitzmagic might be done. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions in this game. He was benched for Jameis Winston, who led four touchdown drives in the second half, threw two touchdowns, had a nice throw uh, to Mike Evans for a touchdown in that game. He is uh, going to be the starter now next week. They play the San Francisco 49ers at home. That's certainly a winnable game for Jameis Winston. What do you think about this flip-flopping back and forth? I think you do kind of just got to pick a guy and stick with him, but anytime either of these guys plays for too long, they just get kind of exposed... And uh, it the grass looks greener on the other side, I guess. I would I would like for Winston to actually take this um starting starting job because it's his it's his to take, but it just seems like he squanders it every time. He throws a lot of interceptions. He plays uh, a little erratically, but maybe this will be the time where he can keep it together. I just I don't see it to be honest with you. I think the Bucks are as bad as anybody right now. Well, part of it is the talent they have. Part of it is. I don't think they have great coaching. I'm just going to say it. I don't think Kirk, Dirk Cutter is a great coach, and it would not surprise me if he is gone at the end of the season. He was hired for his relationship with Jameis. He also might be gone at the end of the season. We know that Jameis Winston has a $20 million option, basically fifth-year option that was picked up by Tampa, by Tampa Bay. It's guaranteed for injury only, so they originally maybe not going to play him, so they may not have to pay him next year. But that is apparently not a consideration. They're playing him. I think they want to see what they have because they know Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a guy that's going to be your quarterback of the future. We all sort of saw this coming with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He would have these really great games, really great streaks, and they will come crashing down where he will throw multiple interceptions in games and basically lose you games. 
Just kind of throw throw himself out of the game, I guess. This game was only fourteen to seven New York at halftime, so it wasn't out of the realm yet. Unfortunately, uh, it was really just a shootout in the fourth quarter, as what thirty five points were scored in the fourth quarter between these two teams, and now they're both three and seven moving into next week. And like I said, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play the San Francisco Forty ers and the Giants, I believe, play the, yeah, the Eagles. Eagles on the road. That's obviously a big divisional game. The Eagles' season, I think, is over if they lose that game. I think I'm going to take the Giants in that one, too, to be honest with you. But uh, the Eagles just don't seem like they can put the pieces together. I know we want us to stay on the Giants right now. but I mean, I somewhat agree with you, but I'm still taking the Eagles in that game. I think the Eagles just top to bottom are a much better team. Oh, absolutely. I'm paper. Than the Giants. And like I said, if they do lose that game, I mean, that's, that's, when, you, that's when you jump ship and recognize that the team's not that good. I don't know. I don't really know what more to say about the Eagles. They just need to win a football game. The Giants, uh, like I said, they predicted or Odell Beckham was talking about running the table. I don't, again, I don't think that that's going to He just has to, to say happen. stuff like that. Yeah, I suppose Gotta that's true. Got to keep the hype going. But if they do win this Eagles game, I don't think that, there's no way they're going to run the table, but that's that's probably a game they could win. And what's crazy is technically with Washington losing obviously and then losing Alex Smith, technically the Giants are only 3 games out of the divisional lead. They're still technically in in the division race, which is absolutely crazy. No one would have thought a couple weeks ago. Obviously, like I said, uh, if they if they do beat the Eagles next week, they'd both be 4 and 7. And if Washington were to lose to Dallas, both those teams would be six and five, so they'd only be two games back. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> With uh, again, it's a it's a long shot. I think both these teams, their season is just a lot of things over. can happen still this year. There's still some options out there. You got anything else that we want to talk about in this game? Hell no. All right, let's move into the next one then. So we're going to stay in the NFC East a little bit here. The Washington football team uh, hosted the Houston Texans, who had won six in a row. Both teams were 6-3 and three coming into this game. Houston won on basically a last-second field goal. But the story of the day was Alex Smith getting his knee, or Grizzly. excuse me, his leg, ankle just absolutely torn up. It was really ugly scene to see he had to have immediate surgery he was taken to the hospital immediately to have surgery on his foot it was actually 33 years to the day 33 years to the day from the joe theisman lawrence taylor uh when joe theisman had his leg gruesomely broken by lawrence taylor very similar injuries. and joe theisman was also at the game it was kind of bizarre i mean Oof. he comes to a lot of games obviously so it wasn't weird that he was there but just the 33 years to the day was just absolutely eerie twilight zone and it maybe just sheds light on Washington. This is not their season. I think their season is essentially over here. Colt McCoy came in the game, played okay. He got a big score at the in the um, red zone. But I don't think that they're going to go too, too far with Colt McCoy moving forward. They signed Mark Sanchez to be the backup, Mr. Butt Fumble himself. <laughs> don't love... Uh, they're going to bring Peterman in next? I don't know what they're going to do next, but uh, they certainly have a shaky quarterback situation, obviously, moving forward. Adrian Peterson did not have a great game rushing, though, did have two touchdowns. The issue, I think, part of it with the Washington team, with Cole McCoy, too, is there's just not a lot of talent on the outside for him to throw to. Jamison Crowder has missed a bunch of the season. They released Ryan Quick. 
Josh Doxson has been severely underperforming as a first-round pick for years. And Jordan Reed is healthy, but who knows how long that's going to last. Yeah, you kind of don't know what you're going to get out of him a lot of the time. The Texans, let's move to them. They have now won seven straight games and have a two-game lead in the AFC South. Tennessee and Indianapolis play this week. They're both 5-5. Five and five. One of them will gain a game. I think Houston has a good, still a really good chance to, to just take this division. I could see them winning this division, especially with the momentum they got going right now. They, They're starting to click a little bit. Uh, Indy and Tennessee played this week. Uh, Houston plays Tennessee next week on Monday night. That was Or this week on Monday night. That was my mistake. See another letdown from Tennessee in that one? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it depends, too, if Mariota plays. If he does not play, I don't think there's any way that Tennessee wins on the road there. And if if the the Texans win that game, they'll be in the certainly in the driver's seat. It's it's a really tough for a team to win you know eight straight games, let alone seven. Uh, but this is the first time since 1925 a team started 0 and three and then won seven games in a row. I don't know that the Houston Texans are necessarily a Super Bowl team. Do you see them as a Super Bowl team in the AFC? No. Do you see them on par with with the Steelers and with the Patriots? I mean, they have the same record right now as the Patriots. I just, I guess they just have to prove something more to me. But you know, Watson could kind of come out as being the next like big uh, playoff quarterback. Like every once in a while, a dude will just uh, turn it on in the playoffs, and that's kind of when you know they've they've arrived. It's just it's going to depend on Watson. I'm a huge fan of Deshaun Watson. I think he's got all the talent in the world to be a really good quarterback. I think they need to help him a little bit more in the running game with the offensive line. Lamar Miller had a decent game, and he's an okay running back. But they need to improve the offensive line of this football team to give way to the running game and to help Deshaun Watson really elevate himself to where he needs to be because he may he still makes a lot of mistakes. He still has a long way to go. A lot of the mistakes are not only him having to run around or whatever, but sometimes he's making mistakes under pressure. He's getting he was sacked a lot at the beginning of the season. He had that bruised lung or whatever and he couldn't fly with it, so he had to ride on a bus to the game. There's a lot going on with the Texans, but they have just found a way to win week after week, even though it always hasn't been pretty. I mean, after Alex Smith went down this game, they should have dominated the rest of this football game. That's true. And they didn't. Yeah, they kept it kind of, they kept it pretty close. I think there's a lot of games that have come down to the wire lately between some of these uh I don't want to say middle talented teams, but you know what do you call them? Like a second tier team here? Yeah, these are probably second or third tier teams. To well, me. the Redskins, Redskins now. I don't even know what you would call them. Uh, yeah, I mean, without Alex it. Smith, I think that they're uh, a team that's just going to be in steady decline for the next several weeks, and maybe they'll Free win ball. a game here or there. But I think this, yeah, they're going to end up like Free seven and eight, nine or eight and eight. I think here. I they have a, losing out. They have a tough, tough task because they have to turn around now right away and they have to play the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Cowboys have been pretty hot lately. It'll be against Colt McCoy <laughs> on the road. Uh, so I think it's going to be a tall task for Washington, although we know Dallas, if there's ever a team that somehow finds a way to lose sometimes – it's the Dallas Cowboys. This is a time where they could have a clear shot at taking a lead in this division and overtaking this division here, a home game against a team that just lost their starting quarterback. This is a team that they should win. This could be a trap game, though, for them. Yeah, we'll see. They still got two matchups with the Eagles coming up. 
That'll be tough. I mean, the Eagles could almost, w- if they win those two. In Are you talking about Washington? Or yeah, the- Washington. Yeah. And now, again, I was saying that the Eagles are not out of it either at 4-6. and six. They have the Giants this week, like I said. That should be an easy win for them if they are at all the team we think they are. They have two games against a Washington team that doesn't have a starting, doesn't have Alex Smith anymore. Again, two games that they should win. I mean, that's three wins now that they should collect in the division to help them gain some ground. We'll see what McCoy's got, man. I don't know. I don't really believe in him, but any given Sunday, give a quarterback a chance. You know, He played in Texas. He's won a lot of games in Texas, so it's certainly plausible. I'll be watching that game. My dad, obviously, is a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm sure he'll either be elated or <laughs> not. We'll get into the Dallas Cowboys on Friday, but, again, my situation um, where I was picking their worst nightmare where they somehow lucked up and won this division and Jason Garrett keeps his job. And it looks looking possibly like that is absolutely going to happen. I could definitely see him winning this division at this point. I don't... I don't know what the hell happened, but I think it's going to be between the Eagles and them. I think the Eagles are going to climb their way back in, and we'll we'll see what happens. You got anything else you want to add in this game? I think the Houston defense is starting to come along really well. They had a pick six in this game. Watt, Clowney, Merciless, these guys are getting healthy. They they look really good right now. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, that's about all I got for this one. All right, let's move into the next game here. So we're going to stay in the AFC South now with the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. This was a game I sort of saw coming. We saw the Tennessee Titans beat the New England Patriots last week. They beat them down, and we're talking a little bit of trash, and they are maybe thinking they're a little bit too much of hot shit, and Indy just came in and just thwomped them. Yeah, losing Mariota right away. The second you lost Mariota, that game was basically over, but Indianapolis was unstoppable in this game. Luck has just got it right now. Either way, though, I mean, Mariota was 10 of 13 for 85 yards, had an interception, wasn't playing super well to begin with. Andrew Luck now has seven straight games with three touchdowns, three passing touchdowns or more. The only other people that have longer streaks are Peyton Manning with eight and Tom Brady Tom Brady with 10. He's got that arm strength back right now, man. He's just his, sh- his shoulder injury looks much improved. He's just throwing, he threw a couple bombs in this one. I forgot how far that touchdown went in the air though the main thing that i think andrew Luck has helped this offense is the they finally found a running game with marlon mack they've been using him jordan wilkins and heem hines all uh, the other two guys are rookies they've been using those two guys to supplement marlon mack and they finally found a running game that's helped balance this offense a little bit the other thing is jack doyle tight end is back he was one of andrew luck's favorite targets him and Eric Ebron, who has had a absolute resurgence since he walked away from Detroit, he's had a bunch of touchdowns this season. It's actually been nice. They're able to play with two tight end set and give you trouble with those matchups because they can run the ball out of those formations. They can play play action out of those formations, and they can throw the ball because they uh, still have two really good pass catching tight ends along with a receiver out on the, the field. Might have the best offensive line in uh, all of football too. I don't know if I would say the best on skill, but they have now gone, what is it, like five games, four games without allowing a sack of Andrew Luck, which has been really impressive. They're on a really hot streak right now, for sure. Their first-round pick, Quentin Nelson, has been sort of a a tone setter. It's kind of changed a little bit of the culture there. They also got uh, their center back from injury. 
this season. He missed all of last season. So they got two really good offensive linemen that they were able to plug back in. And like I said, not only has it helped the running game, but it's helped the passing game. And Andrew Luck has been looked slowly better and better each week throughout the season. He's looking as good as anybody right now. Yeah, he looks like that guy that carried this team to 11-5 and five his first three years in the league. And then suddenly Hilton is relevant again, which, you know. Well, when, when you get nine targets and you catch all nine, you're going to be yeah. relevant. Oh, for sure, man. He was just waiting all year for a quarterback that was able to use him. I think Jacoby Brissett is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league, but T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck have a a good chemistry. It'll be interesting to see how the Colts, after them stomping down a team, how they respond. They're at home against the Miami Dolphins. I think that's certainly that is true. Ryan Tannehill is expected to start on Sunday. I think this is going to be a good litmus test for the Colts because the Colts should win this game and should win this game pretty, pretty handily. handily. I think they will. And if they don't, we'll see. The Really what's one of the things that's also surprised me about the Colts is their defense is better than I thought it was going to be. I know Jabal Shirt is a solid pass rusher, but I think the one guy that people are overlooking on the defense is Darius Leonard. He is he is has a good chance to win NFL defensive rookie of the year and like no one is talking about this guy. He was a second round pick this year. He has been all over the field. He's leading their team in tackles, obviously. But he had another monster game against the Titans. He had a sack and an interception and a forced fumble. So his total tackle numbers is 104 with five sacks. He has an interception and four forced fumbles already. So he's having a great, great season. If he can be the leader of the defensive unit out there and he can continue to develop, they're going to have War Daddy out there War Daddy, on nice. the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, to, to steal a word from Jerry Jones. They're going to have a War Daddy out there on the defensive side of the ball to help them. And I think if they now with the, the offensive line seemingly finally rebuilt, with a little bit of a running game with Andrew Luck. This offseason, they can focus on improving the defense. And if you give Andrew Luck a defense, give Andrew Luck a running game and a couple good targets and weapons, you're going to have a playoff team. Man, I'm, I'm with him. They look they look pretty good right now. I'd take them against almost anybody. So. They're, one of the, they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, and they have, again, a, a good chance to beat the Miami Dolphins. It's at home as well. That's they shouldn't win. I, I see no reason why they shouldn't win that game. The Titans, again, have to go on the road to Houston to play the Texans, who have won seven in a row. Also a really hot team. I don't know if they can win that game, even with Mariota, but without Mariota, if he does not play, it's not gonna happen, man. That is, that's going to be even tougher because they're going to have to roll with Blaine Gabbert, who I still can't believe is in the league. <laughs> you got anything else uh, you want to go over about this no, Texans tight or excuse me Titans Colts game? I think we covered it. All right, let's uh Spend let's move on. on to the next one, huh? Yeah, we're going to do an AFC North battle. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Cincinnati Bengals 24-21. Joe Flacco is out with a hip injury. Not sure when he's going to come back. Sounds like it's a week to week thing. So Lamar Jackson got Good the shot. start over RG3, which I thought was a little bit uh, a little bit surprising, but maybe not. They saw a lot. They liked him, Lamar Jackson. He looked awesome out on the field. I was a big fan of his coming out of college. He can run. He can throw. I thought he was going to be a little, a bit of a project, obviously, but he looks electric. He had 27 
rushing attempts in this game as a quarterback for 117 yards, threw one interception, but looked okay passing the ball. He was 13 of 19 for 150 yards. They just hammered him with the run. Gus really. Edwards had an amazing game. Yeah, Gus Edwards, undrafted rookie running back, had 17 carries for 115 yards and a touchdown. Actually, Baltimore's first drive uh, where they scored a touchdown, Alex Collins had a rushing touchdown. They did not throw a pass on the first drive. They just crammed it down Cincinnati's right throw, down running throw. the football, and, yeah, and it, and it worked. Totally, and that frees up a passing game completely too. I mean, you got to just play for the run. They're unstoppable, basically, on the run. And this is another game where Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton fail again. They started the year four and one and are now five and five. AJ Green is still out. Not sure if he'll I haven't be. Haven't heard anything about him. Yeah, not sure when he's going to be back. They're saying he's not going to be back till December. So you're talking at least another week, possibly more. Could see the season be over by then. It could be, especially if the Ravens win another game or two. I mean, the Steelers have clearly taken control of this division. They're not looking back. I don't think either of these teams are going to catch them to win the division obviously so it's going to be about trying to make it into the wild card i'm not sold on the Bengals making it into the wild card I, I think that the ravens have a better chance of making it into the wild card does it look like they're going to be playing lamar jackson without flacco moving forward or no i think once flacco is healthy he'll be back we just don't know when that will be like i said that he's looking uh, i believe at a, a second opinion he is again week to week he may not play this week. If he doesn't play this week, he may play the week after. I mean, it's very just kind of touch and go, it sounds like. But I think that they like like the the setup. I mean, he's he looked good. He looked fast. I liked what he can do. I mean, he had that one bad throw where he threw that interception. Kind of expected that, though. Even that, he was trying to make something happen. I can't totally fault him. It wasn't like a totally boneheaded mistake. It was him trying to, trying to make something out of the play. So I can't totally totally hate that but with these two teams they have very good chance to get on pack get on track next week the Bengals at home host the Browns who have certainly played better in the last few weeks Baker Mayfield looks like he's progressing and, and looks like a true franchise quarterback star potential quarterback and the Ravens are at home next week to my Oakland Raiders Oh, your Raiders again. That, to me, is going to be or should be an easy win for the Ravens. They're a 10.5-point favorite in that game already, which is pretty impressive. 10.5. Yeah, that's, Whew. again, that's a game that the Ravens should win. That should give them, again, that if they win that game, they'd move to 6-5. and five. Both teams, if they win next week, would move to 6-5, and five, obviously. But I think that the Ravens are more likely to win that game than the Bengals are to beat the Browns, don't you think? That Bengals-Browns is going to be a real showdown, man. Battle of Ohio, man. Yeah. Ohio's finest. Like, the Bengals, who are a team that consistently struggle in the playoffs and generally fail in primetime fashion, and the Browns, who are just one of the worst franchises in football over the past 20 years They're or like so. like the Cavaliers of the NFL. Kind of feel bad for Cleveland sometimes. Kind of. Except for those years when they had LeBron, I guess. They got to watch greatness for a minute. but Yeah. They had it. They lost it. They had it. They lost it. Because they didn't know how to handle and keep LeBron happy. Dan Gilbert. They made bad moves to run LeBron out of town, basically. They ran him out of town, yep. Now that we're done blaming Ohio. Don't blame Ohio. Well, my heart is in Ohio, right? Yeah. Oh, is that the heart over Miami? 
what? like a Denny's uh, scramble or something? No, that's the, the Hawthorne Heights thing. Oh, okay. The cut my wrists and black my eyes. <laughs> my heart is in Ohio or whatever that is. I think that's, that's what it is. That's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, another one done talking garbage scenes to music. Uh, let's get back to football. We got anything else on the, on the AFC North here? I think, like I said, we think the Steelers, uh, especially after the win over Jacksonville, uh, look like they're just going to make a run. Yeah, that, in it this looks division. like it's going to be easy for the Steelers from here on out, really. I mean, the Steelers are on the road against Denver next week. That's not a gimme game. And I think the Ravens sort of have a gimme game. So if they can win and the Steelers lose to go to seven three and one, and then the Ravens are six and five, uh, yeah, it's I mean, a little bit closer. Yeah, it could be, but I still think, yeah, I still think the Steelers are running away with it. One six straight. I mean, they're they're looking pretty good right now. And the Steelers, by having that tie in there, uh, they have the tiebreaker. No, they are now second place in the AFC, so they would have the bye because the Patriots are seven and three. They would obviously have a slightly better record because of the tie and not the loss. They would have the second seed and the bye, and the Patriots would have to play Wild Card Weekend. They would host a a divisional or excuse me, in Wild they would host a Wild Card team. It would just be harder for the Patriots to advance if they had to play extra game. You ready to move on? Yeah, let's move into the next game here. We're gonna get into a game that came down to the wire the big and, cats. and a weird decision yeah it was a battle of the cats here the lions versus the panthers the lions at home came out on top 20 to 19 in a bizarre ending ron rivera decided to go for two and the panthers decided to go for two after scoring a touchdown with about a minute left would be tie if they had made the extra point tie the game and hopefully force the game potentially to overtime it's possible matt stafford could have came back in that minute to kick a field goal and win the game. It's the Ron, game the Panthers should have won. Ron Rivera kept going off about how he's just trying to win the game. He's just trying to win the game. But in trying to win the game, he lost the game. Yep. <laughs> so it's either – in that situation to me, especially they had one timeout with one uh, with a minute left. So there was – the onside kick, they needed to recover the onside kick. Once Detroit had the ball, they just run the clock out. It didn't matter. They essentially lost the game there. I think the better option would have been because either way, you would have had to stop Matt Stafford. Had you made that two-point conversion, you'd have been up 21-20. to 20. Matt Stafford would still have a minute left to try to kick a field goal. That's a good point. If you made that extra point and it's 20-20, to 20, Matt Stafford still has a minute left to try to go down the field and kick a field goal. Now, I know Graham Gano, their kicker, had missed a field goal and an extra point earlier in the game. So I understand that may have played into their thinking. But either way, I still think that that was a foolish, foolish decision to go for two at the end of the game, and, and it cost them the game. Yeah, that's a big risk to take. They really should have had this game going going away, though, man. For the for the Panthers, this is a this is a big loss. This Lions team has really got. Uh, they've really been struggling recently. Got nothing off, <laughs> and they I lost carry on in this game too. They're yeah, he had a nice game. He had eighty seven rushing yards and a touchdown. And then he left in the third quarter, I think, with a knee injury. Kenny Galladay had an amazing, amazing catch for a touchdown, too. He had 113 yards in a touchdown. One of, he's one of my favorite receivers to watch. He's going to be a star player in this league, Absolutely. I promise he's, you. He's made some of the best catches this year. I don't think there's anybody who's got a better highlight reel than he does. Can you imagine if I told you Cam Newton threw for 357 yards and three touchdowns, and they scored 19 points? Yeah, it's a little unlikely. But after seeing the 501-yard Redskins offense scored three points, uh, I don't really. You mean Tampa? Oh, it's Tampa. I thought it was uh, against Washington. Oh, against Washington. Yeah, after seeing that, I mean, nineteen 
Doesn't seem that low to me. But still, I'm saying throwing for three touchdowns and 357 yards, and they only came away with 19 points. Like, it, it's a little crazy. It's just, again, I am not a huge fan of that go for two at the end of the game to either basically win or lose right there. Unless you got some running back who's completely dominant or something. I would trust my defense yeah. and or make them beat me. Don't make me beat myself. Like, the Carolina Panthers beat themselves. They had the play open, Cam Newton overthrew, whatever. Uh, even if he didn't have the play, the play didn't work, whatever. For whatever reason, you beat yourself. Yeah. The, the Lions didn't beat you. You just beat yourself. You put yourself in that position. If you had kicked the field goal and it's 20-20 to 20 and the Lions go down and kick a field goal and beat you, well, okay, now you made the Lions go down and beat you mm-hmm. and beat you in the end and earn that victory. And this way, I mean, the Lions just, they recovered the onside kick, and it was a really bad onside kick. It was, yeah. Not the <laughs> ball, and that was it. I mean, with only one timeout, there's only so much Carolina could do. I, I just think it was poorly managed all the way around. The Lions somehow got this victory. Stafford has underwhelmed the last several weeks. He only had 220 yards passing in this game. Had a touchdown. I mean, I guess he won the game for him. So Panthers are still sitting pretty in that wild card. They are at 6-4. and four. However, this week is going to be difficult for them as they have to play the Seahawks. Uh, the Panthers are on the road. Or, or, excuse me, the Panthers are at home. But the Panthers are only a 3.5-point favorite at home right now. And I would take that. They're giving the three points as the home the team. Mm-hmm. So they're saying it's bare, they're barely favored in this game. Like the Bengals are favored by three in the Browns game. It's just like it's a pick em basically. The Panthers that's are it. right there too. So that's going to be a difficult game against Seattle who's had who's been playing better as of late as well. Even in their losses, they've been losing by just a couple of points. Yeah, it seems like every week it's like comes down to the last drive at least. And two of their losses were against obviously the Rams. Rams. So and barely anyone the barely anyone can beat them except New yeah. Orleans. So there's a lot of if I'm Carolina, I'm a little bit concerned right now. Not only with that loss that I think you just kind of gave the game away. Now that's not to say you wouldn't have lost in overtime or lost on Stafford kicking the field goal anyway, but that was just kind of game you gave away and now you play a tough Seattle team. <sighs> like I said, that's going to be tough. And and Houston or excuse me, and Detroit plays Thanksgiving Day against the Bears. It's possible that Mitch Trubisky doesn't play in this game. He's got a shoulder, banged up shoulder. It's possible that Chase Daniel may start in this game. He was the backup in Kansas City for a long time where Matt Nagy was, so he knows this offense pretty well inside and out. I think if Chase Daniels does play, you'll see a lot of the running game with Jordan Howard and with Tariq Cohen and a lot of short passes. I still think they can win in Detroit even with Chase Daniel, though it'll be obviously more difficult. Yeah, well, we'll just have to wait and see. That's already coming up tomorrow, man. That's quick. All right, let's move into the next game, I guess. All right. Yeah, we're going to get into the blowout of the week. I watched this game. To be honest, I'm surprised that the TV station didn't change it after a while because it was just an absolute destruction uh-huh. of the Philadelphia Eagles this is the worst loss ever by a Super Bowl defending champion. Philadelphia Eagles lost in New Orleans 48-7. to There was never really a chance in this game. They were down 17-7 to early, and Wentz had uncharacteristically through three interceptions. The turnovers just really killed them, and Drew Brees and them took advantage early. They were up 24-7. 
at halftime and never looked back. They outscored them again, 24 nothing in the second half. Breeze through on fourth down late in the game. Uh, they're going forward in their own territory through like a 40-yard touchdown to Alvin Kamara. It was a 37-yard touchdown to Alvin Kamara down the sideline. Beat Malcolm Jenkins one-on-one. -on -one. It was a really impressive throw. Drew Breeze continues to show why he's probably going to win the MVP. Mahomes was taking the league by storm, but Mahomes is turning the ball over. Drew Brees uh, has 25 touchdowns and one interception this year. Only one interception. One interception. That was probably just extremely unlucky, whatever happened there for that one interception. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at game, what game that even was. The thing that I like about New Orleans is, and I picked them to win the Super Bowl, if you remember. I do remember. Them against the Steelers. Uh, the thing I liked about them is that they had a, a better defense than people than some of the other teams in the NFC, like like the Rams we've seen. Sneaky defense. And they have a great running game between Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, who's back. Who Mark Ingram had over 100 yards and two touchdowns in this game. Alvin Kamara over 100 scrimmage yards total and a touchdown as well. So they're getting it done. They have maybe two of the better running backs in the NFL. They have one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, Michael Thomas. And then rookie Traquan Smith had his breakout game. He had 10 catches for 157 yards and a touchdown. He, hopefully with Cameron Meredith's injury and Ted Ginn's injury, he was expected to kind of step up. He's been kind of hit or miss every week. Uh, some games, uh, a couple of weeks ago, they scored 51 on the Bengals, and he didn't even have a catch in that game. This week they score 48, and he's got 10 catches and a touchdown. Yeah, they they like to mix it up, man. This, this Saints team, you can't really predict them. That offense is just so fluid. So they beat you a lot of different ways. One of the things I love that they do is they roll with Taysom Hill. He can be the quarterback. He can be the running back. He's their kick returner. He is a wide receiver that they use. They run Drew Brees out in the Wildcats. Sometimes they bring in Hill and play him out of the backfield or they flank him out as a wide receiver. He runs routes. Like I said, he's their quarterback, a third-string quarterback, and he also returns kicks. I mean, the guy can literally do it all. He might be one of the better, like, just NFL football players, like, around. I mean, I don't know too many guys that can do all of those things. Yeah. And Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame quarterback, MVP player right now, and they are seeding snaps and taking the ball out of Drew Brees' hands to put it in Taysom Hill's hands. That's how special this guy is, is they are actually taking snaps away from Drew Brees to highlight this guy and put him as a wrinkle in, in their offense. It's scary how many weapons they have, how brilliant Sean Payton is, and how they can utilize just about anyone and find their strengths and, and incorporate them into their offense somehow. Like and like, shades of Cordell Stewart or something. Yeah, and even more so. And as as the season has gone on, the defense has played sort of better and better. I mean, they blanked the, the Eagles to seven points. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I know the Eagles are kind of struggling right now. They just can't figure out how to get Golden Tate going either. They should have better better production out of those guys. They have Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Golden Tate, and Zach Ertz all on that team. And somehow there's... The issue with the Eagles, like a lot of other teams, which I'll talk a ton about on Friday because I wanted to save that for Friday because I'm about to go off on a bunch of teams that didn't run the football and don't know how to run the football, and that's why they lose. I know the Eagles were down early in this game, and they didn't have a chance to even try to run. Josh Adams had seven carries for 53 yards and a touchdown, which is pretty good by my count. It's almost eight yards a carry. They don't run the ball enough. Mm. 
to be effective. They're running all these RPOs. They're throwing the ball too many times. It's making them one-dimensional. I don't care if you are one-dimensional running or one-dimensional passing. If you're one-dimensional on offense in the NFL, teams will shut you down eventually. It's going to happen. You need to be able to do both. That's why, like I said, look at all the really good teams in the NFL. Steelers can run the football with Connor or if they had Bell. We know the Patriots are the Patriots. The Saints, like I just talked about with Ingram and Kamara. Uh, the Rams have Gurley. Kansas City has Kareem Hunt. Like they, ha- You have to have somebody that can run the football and get you those yards, eat clock, especially if you're trying to keep a guy like Drew Brees off the field. Yeah. If you're going up against that guy, you probably want to try to control the clock, run the football, keep that guy off the field, limit how many times he has the ball in his possession. And he's such an expert when he does have the ball and it just runs the, these games so well. Yeah, he like I said, he's got to be the MVP right now over Mahomes just because of the way Mahomes is sort of taking a step back with his turnovers. The Saints are probably better than the Chiefs right now. Yeah, Saints the Saints the Saints are the best, best team, team in the NFL right. by far just because, again, they have – Better offense than those two teams. But even if they didn't, they have the better defense by far. Yeah. I mean, those two teams just gave up 51 to each other, or over 50. It was uh, one of the most ridiculous games I've ever seen in my entire life. We'll talk about more about that on Friday because I have a lot to say about what I liked and really just didn't like from that game. I'm a fan of defense, and I'm not seeing it in the NFL anymore. Let's talk about who the next week um the saints play on thursday they play thanksgiving in a a nfc south showdown they're playing against the atlanta falcons who just lost against the cowboys oh we should have done the falcons game today because they're and the cowboys because they're playing um tomorrow but i want to talk about um all of that on friday because i'm going to get into all this running stuff the falcons lost against the cowboys a game they should have won could have won they didn't they're another team that did not run the football at all and that's why they lost that game saints are given 12 and a half at home that's a lot but i think that they could torch the falcons i think this might be a little little bit more of a shootout though than um anything else and like we talked a little bit about the eagles they play the giants next week on sunday uh they should and need to get that victory like we talked about if they lose that game their season is over. The Falcons, I think, as well, if they lose that game to the Saints, they will move to 4-7. and seven. Their season will effectively be over as well after they just lost to the Cowboys. Again, we'll get into that, and we'll talk about, I guess, where the Falcons' season hangs on Friday uh, if they cannot get a win. Let's move into the last game then, yeah? Last game of the week. All right, let's do it. And the last game was a AFC West showdown. The Broncos came out victorious in L.A. 23-22, moved the Chargers to 7-3. and The Broncos moved to 4-6. and This was Joey Bosa's first game back, though you wouldn't know it with the stat column. Yeah, Phillip Rivers made a couple pretty costly interceptions there. Yeah, he threw for over 400 yards, but his two interceptions pretty much cost him. Von Miller had a nice interception and run back, uh, though he didn't score. Uh, he was close and helped them set it up. Philip Lindsay had another really nice game, 11 carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns. Royce Freeman, the rookie, also had a rushing touchdown. So they ran three in on the ground. Rivers, that was one of the issues. I mean, Keenan Allen had a nice game, 89 yards and a touchdown. Antonio Gates came alive as well. Melvin Gordon had a solid game all around. To me, when you have Rivers throwing for over 400 yards, Melvin Gordon has over 150 scrimmage yards. And they only scored 22 points at home. Yeah. That's not good enough. Yeah, and you've lost to a team that you really should be beating if you're, you know, if they want to really cement their spot as being like a 
top upper echelon elite team, but the LA Chargers have been a quietly have been a big Super Bowl pick for a lot of for a lot of analysts and people. They think that the Chargers, yeah, the Chargers could match up well with the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Steelers, etc., and they could go to the Super Bowl. However, I think because the Chiefs are going to win the division, San Diego, or excuse me, LA is going to have a wild card spot. They're going to have to go on the road and win all of their games in the playoffs on the road. That is going to be incredibly difficult for a team that always finds ways to lose in the playoffs especially. As a Raiders fan, and actually, I kind of liked the Chargers growing up. I loved LaDainian Tomlinson. I love their powder blue old school jerseys. What they're wearing now with all that navy is a garbage shit version. <laughs> and they should go back to their just classic powder blue with the number on the helmet and the the, the white helmet, etc. They, sh- they need to go back to all of that. But anyway, I was a big fan of them growing up. So I used to watch a lot of their games, etc. And as a Raiders fan, I follow a little bit of the division. And they always find tons of ways to lose. Either they start off slow and they come on hot and then just at the end of the season they let you down. Or they start off hot and then they collapse. Or, or teams. Yeah, or they miss a kick at the end of the game to lose. Or they get a punt blocked or a field goal blocked. or It's just something always happens with this team to, to get them to lose. I don't know if it's like Rivers and, and he's cursed or like this team is cursed or what. They should have never got rid of Drew Brees. Maybe it's the Brees curse. But they just always find ways to lose. And I think if they make the playoffs, they're also going to find ways to lose. They're going to have to be on the road in the playoffs. Their only real hope is if they win this division. Yeah, I mean, I just don't really see that. Especially when you're losing to a game like this, the Broncos. Well, this was a divisional game. I mean, you needed to be red hot and have a great divisional record, especially when you're going to be going up against the Chiefs. That is a problem. Yeah, for this team. But going to see yourself at seven and four again pretty soon. The good news for the Chargers is that they get the Arizona Cardinals at home this week. They're a twelve and a half point favorite. I see no reason they should lose this game. Maybe it's again a tra- a trap game situation, but this should be a game that they could easily win by like twenty points. Oh yeah, this is probably the about the lock of the week. Oh, you know what? If I'm if I am a betting man, I know smarter than to bet. On the Chargers, <laughs> especially in a locks, lock of the week type situation. To me, absolutely not. I wouldn't put them as a lock. I would think they're going to win that game for sure, but but I would not put them as a lock. I wouldn't put money on it, at you least, I would them. say. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, theoretically, just us talking, yeah, I'd, I'd say they're going to win the game, obviously, and probably even cover the spread. But would I feel confident betting an amount of money that would be deemed a lot to me? No, I, I would not feel confident in that. Would you? <laughs> Probably not after you <laughs> talking about it like this. No, that wouldn't really be a game where I really like either team enough to want to put a bet down. We'll see if Bosa, uh, Joey Bosa, as he hopefully rounds into game shape, if he can um, make a difference, make on, a difference team, yeah. on this defense and, and make an impact. Yeah, I think that's going to be incredibly important for, for the Chargers moving forward. Their defense needs to be pretty good. And I think that's one of the things that could separate them from some of these teams. They have a good pass rush. They have a pretty good secondary with guys like Casey Hayward and Derwin James and uh, Trevor Williams, etc. So they have some talent on the back end. I think that they can stop some guys. Uh, but it's going to come down to whether or not Rivers and Gordon and those guys can can handle it, and whether I think maybe even it might come down to special teams for the Chargers if they if it comes down to like a last second kick or something. 
I'm not betting on them either. How do you do, feel about the Broncos playoff hopes? At this point? Oh, they're, the Broncos playoff hopes were dashed a long time ago. They're four and six. No way. They'd have to win out. Yeah. And that's not happening. Like they, play the the, they play the Steelers at home this week. I wouldn't say this is a lock of the week either in saying the Steelers are going to win, but I would like the Steelers in that game. I think the Steelers are more talented than Denver, though. Again, it's hard to win in Denver with the with the altitude and all that. Denver still has a pretty good defense. The Steelers did not look good last week at all. Von Miller finally had a good game. He's been having a really good season so far altogether. I mean, he's sort of been lost in the shuffle because everyone's been talking about Khalil Mack and everyone's been talking about Aaron Donald. He's been sort of overlooked uh, because of that. But right now, Von Miller has 10 sacks. So he had only 10 all of last year. So he's already at what he had last year. He's got four forced fumbles. He's got an interception that he just returned. So he's had a really, really good season. But I think, like I said, he's just been he's just been overshadowed by Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack. And Denver's defense has taken a giant step back from what it was a few years ago when they were in the Super Bowl. Uh, he's still a premier player in this league, no doubt. But, again, their defense isn't as good. He's being overshadowed by, like I said, Khalil Max and Aaron Donald's exploits. Yeah, absolutely, especially Khalil, Khalil Mack. I think he might win defensive player. One of those two guys is going to win defensive player of the year. It's no question. Oh, absolutely. But I think that Mack might have a step up because he's playing on a team that actually the defense has actually been good, whereas the Rams' defense has not been good no. all season. Yeah. You got anything else? No, man, I think I'm about good for tonight. All right, well, everyone have a happy Thanksgiving. This has been Top of the Keys Thanksgiving special here. we got to add some gobbling noises or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, can't do find us on iTunes. We got all of our archived shows and podcasts there. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash top of the key podcast. Remind Twitter still. Yeah, we have Twitter at stuff on sports. I'm at Justin WXRW. And remember to listen to us on River West Radio every Friday from 10 to 11 p.m. Central. Listen on riverwestradio.com slash live. Have your smart speaker play River West Radio or play 104.1 FM if you're in Milwaukee. You can also go to riverwest doc or riverwestradio.com slash shows to check out our radio show as well. You can find us a lot of different ways. Yeah, man. What's your favorite part of Thanksgiving? Oh, mashed potatoes and gravy. Dude, I knew that's why we're together <laughs> on the show because that's my jam. You can't have mashed potatoes without gravy. I put gravy on like the whole plate, yeah, you know, too. just mm. douse everything. Oh, that's my jam. Just combine okay. all that stuff together too. Like yeah. throw some turkey in there. Okay. Oh yeah. I I put I put gravy on my turkey for sure. Absolutely. Put gravy on everything, man. That's the way to go. Me it's too. a way of life. Gravy train. Yeah, <laughs> let's it's ride. Like hot it. sauce any other day. Oh, uh, see, I'm not a hot sauce guy. Oh, okay. But I am a gravy train guy. All right. Well, let's ride that gravy. We can train. relate to that. Maybe the gravy boat. We'll see. You we'll like see. a boat or train better? I'll take the train. You take the train? All yeah, right, I'll, I'll take the boat then. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, we'll meet in the middle. We'll boat see you guys later. Trains. Have a happy Thanksgiving. See you later.